I'm still awake enough to use words like tautological and teleological and epistemic. No, no, not awake enough for that one. <laughs> Tautology is the study of how tight your wife's pussy. <laughs> I think this All is right. going to be our best one yet. <laughs> this is, is going to be our best podcast. No, yet. we still have yet to top the shoplifting episode, which led to a very great conversation where I was trying to promote our podcast and he was like, so you're saying it's all downhill from there? Like, <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't like how that you worded it like that. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> Good sex titty, everyone, and welcome to part five of Goth Angel Sinners, a podcast for jocks and goths about glocks and moths. I'm Chloe. And I'm Una. Our small British son will not be joining us today because he's too limey. What does that even mean? Oh, a limey is a, like, I don't want to call it a slur, but an insult for British people. Okay. Because um, their sailors would eat limes to prevent scurvy or something like that. Is that why people constantly come into the place I work asking if we sell limes? We don't, by the way. <laughs> Are your customers British? A couple of them. It's weird. Uh, I don't know they were allowed here. Anyway, um, so today we're talking about everyone's favorite topic... Post scarcity. We have some axioms for a discussion here. The first axiom is that all people deserve to survive. Um, if you disagree with this, then why are you listening? Heck off. <laughs> also, that society exists for the mutual benefit of its members. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a society because that kind of. Why would people form a society if not to mutually benefit each other when you could just, you know, fuck off on your own? If that weren't the I can hear myself breathe when I talk. Yeah, but like if it was better for you to not live in a society, then just don't. <laughs> then historically, we wouldn't have done a society, would we? Or would we so have? We would be like the octopus and be solitary. And slip through all of the prison walls. Read Foucault. Um, <laughs> Have you ever even read Foucault? No. Uh, the next <laughs> one is that we live in a society, which may or may not be a sort of revolutionary thought for anyone here. I'd like to think that it's not, but who knows? Uh, no. um, 
our final axiom is that socially usable resources are the product of human action. The resources by themselves exist in nature. Yes. Um, specifically, referring to the fact that things can exist, but they only exist for the use of humanity because humanity takes them. Does shit to them. Yeah, so like if we're gonna dichotomize nature and humans, which not gonna say that that's really a strict taxonomy there, but in order for the things in nature to be a part of the whole human construct, somebody's gotta do some shit to it. This is sounding dangerously close to the labor theory of value, so I think we need to just like establish for a second that the labor theory of value is in fact for nerds. And also that value is fake and stupid. Uh, value is wrong. Uh, don't even, don't believe in it. There's no reason to even try to have a theory of value because what are you doing? Yes. Trying to put all resources and necessities onto a singular value scale would be what we would call reductionist. I'd just call it dumb, but yeah, that too. A reductionist is a bigger word and therefore smarter and more usable. Moving okay. on. Sounds like some nerd shit. Um, but anyway, some further statements on society <laughs> based on our axioms. Society, uh, which we live in, by the way, if you didn't know. I, ho I hope you're all aware that we live in a society. Uh, should ensure that all people can survive. This is, of course, built on the uh, ideas that we live in a society. Society exists for the mutual benefit of its members, and all people deserve to survive. Like as a bare minimum, like society should be making sure that all people survive as much as they possibly can. I mean, you know, some people accidentally fall off cliffs and are dead instantly. Uh, rip to those people. Society couldn't save yes, them. Yes, but it could in the future. Um... <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna use social mechanisms to end the death, like end accidental death by falling off cliffs. It's gonna be great. Yes. Um, also, humans like us uh <laughs> we're members of the society that we live in <laughs> or we're just like giggling about like like there's some big like secret or something like that we have we're just like <laughs> but it's actually we're just giggling about the fact that we're talking about society there's no joke coming there's nothing good <laughs> happening in the future we're just we're, we're just dipshits who spend too much time on the internet god nobody gets any of my jokes at work <laughs> <laughs> Please help. We're so alone because we spend too much time online. <laughs> Just the word society is making us laugh. <laughs> I'm just picturing the Joker. That's it. <laughs> Whenever anyone says society of the spectacle, we just go society. <laughs> we need more gay cowboys to tell us about society. The only the only humor anyone listening to this is going to find is like the fact that we're so dumb that we're dying over society. Um, in my defense, I'm very tired. I also um, I've been going to sleep at four a.m. recently, and it is now four twenty-five. <laughs> it's two twenty-five. But anyway, go off. <laughs> Since we live, <laughs> I'm 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make this point for you because you're clearly incapable. Um, humans as members of society can contribute the resources they produce, allowing society the usage of them as means to achieve the previous point. This is called the commons, the collective resources of society. <laughs> I hate the fact that you're literally reading words that I wrote that I cannot myself read. Eventually, we'll get past this section and we won't have to say society anymore. We'll be good. Why did I write an entire section called Further Statements on Society? Do you know about, um, do you know about Chrysippus or something? Chrysippus? Chrysippus of, or Chrysippus. Uh, of 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 Sully or something like that. He's a Greek philosopher who uh, reportedly died from laughing at one of his own jokes. <laughs> Real aspiration hours. Um, <clears throat> that's, the, that's the God Angel Sinner's death. That's the only death endorsed by God Angel Sinner's. If you don't die that way, we do not endorse you anymore. Please stop dying by any other means immediately. <laughs> if you die any other way, you f- you fucked up and we hate you. <laughs> okay, well, so basically, this whole society ensuring mutual benefit is kind of vague. I can, again, hear myself breathing. I'm gonna fucking kill this thing. Um... So that's kind of, you know, like the will of society, the collective sort of the direction that all the mutual actions of people leads towards. But that needs to be somehow enacted. So like the exact form of that can be enacted in different forms like government or just free distribution. And then we have this whole fucking side tangent apparently about markets which i don't quite understand um where you're going with that oh yeah no uh i just uh you're you listed some forms in which uh, society can distribute things as being government market or free distribution and i was like well markets don't really uh exist absent the state for the most part i mean the Anyway, I have qualms with that, I guess, but it doesn't Yeah, really there, I mean, there's much. a lot of different schools of thought of also, markets. Like, it also really, yeah, it really depends on how you define market, too. The um, point is, regardless, the, the whole idea of getting things to people can be done in different ways. Also, don't just have to pick one way. Just by the way. Yes fucking mutualist hours or whatever so like government while it isn't necessarily inefficient is open to a significant amount of errors in any sort of efficient operation such as the underestimation of need the overestimation of production deliberate corruption etc etc a lot of stuff can go wrong with it which kind of leads us into this idea of post-scarcity anarchism. We are finally talking about uh, post-scarcity or something, I guess. Spend 20 minutes laughing about the word society. <laughs> and we finally say, oh yeah, we're, there's episodes of actually about post-scarcity. Remember that? 
<laughs> yeah, remember post scarcity? That thing that we name dropped and then didn't talk about. That's what this episode's about. <laughs> People listening to this are like, "Cool, they're going to talk about Elon Musk or something." Elon Musk, more how... like Melon Husk. So, if we're assuming that anything that can go wrong will go wrong, or in slightly more technical terms, the existence of any potential fault will at some point become an actual fault then any sort of like rigid centralized system such as a government will be just completely riddled with inefficiencies and corruption and obviously the the two aren't you know those aren't really separate categories because anything that's inefficient is going to lead to corruption and any corruption will then lead into you know inefficiency and those are just going to be used systemically to try to reinforce whatever original rules the system was built on like laws and angel sinners part one for our thoughts on laws <laughs> yeah and so that's and them it'll just be them doubling down on whatever is making the system inefficient yeah because and, yeah. system inefficiencies help the like people in power yes see goth angel sinners part one <laughs> Further on to the the point here, the fact that like one way that the, the can double down on inefficiency is to kind of the way you measure efficiency and whatnot can be changed, which we see a lot with like how poverty is defined, seeing as it's kind of like a, a commonly viewed issue with like capitalism as an inefficiency. So like the way we define poverty or gdp or anything like that that method can change and it does change all the time and the way it's even measured changes and what it's measured over can change so you you can pretty much skew the statistics however you want to kind of cover up inefficiencies or i mean just completely pretend they don't exist it's like nitson and bickler talk about in capitalist power and stuff like that is that like they are like that GDP and these all these like measures of like are like just like financial statistics and don't necessarily line up with anything physically happening in the real world at all. Um, and yes. that's why that's where they get the capitalist finance and only finance thing is just like the thing we're actually looking at is just finance. And if you want to tell yourself that that's a reflection of anything physical going on, uh, then you are uh, sad and pathetic and weak. Right. Unlike things people have said recently on the internet, scientific methodologies aren't always the best epistemic methods for reflecting reality. Since now that we've, uh, I'd say, sufficiently dunked on uh, governments and markets and uh, people who believe in things... Um, <laughs> it means we need to we need to explore better options, such as free distribution, otherwise known as liftism. Yes, liftism, the cool shit. This is what the jocks and the goths do with their glocks and their moths. I knew we'd find a way to wedge that in somewhere. <laughs> uh. I have no idea what that means. You just wrote it. <laughs> It's true because it rhymes. I don't think all <laughs> things that rhyme are true, though. But this one is. 
Anyway, <laughs> so essentially what we're talking about is open availability of all resources to be called upon by consumers without any bar to entry, which that in itself can kind of be, in some instances, manipulated a bit. Some people think that there should be some limit, which is, you know, often based on ecological boundaries, but that's also mainly for production rather than consumption. But, you know, consumption is in itself in some ways limited by production, so it can kind of go either way. This kind of leads into the next thing. A common counter-argument to free distribution in a theoretical sense is that there would be a negative consequence being overconsumption of resources Essentially, in more technical terms, the overestimation of available resources without the action of any sort of central authority, but still like the collective action of the consumers will still, in a sense, overestimate it, which isn't really that much of a concern because, again, it's that's more on the production end anyway. People don't eat like raw grains and such so basically like uh like people will like screech uh tragedy of the commons every time something like this is proposed um but like this is clearly wrong uh because i'm right and i said it was wrong uh (laughs) but uh common pool resources can like frequently result in a comedy of the commons um in which like things are better because more people are like contributing and taking uh, uh this happens in in digital space a lot wikipedia is an example um in that like life is just better when everyone can take freely and give freely uh and everyone realizes it and is cool with it um and there's also the fact that uh people can talk to each other and figure out how to do things like if you say like if let's do, do some real 1700 shit in terms of an example. Like if you're a group of farmers raising cows and you have a pasture or whatever, you can just like talk to each other and figure out like <laughs> how much you like when your cows can graze and shit. It's not hard. That's how people did it forever. It's not like people suddenly lost the ability to talk to each other about shit. In fact, I think we've gotten a little better at it. Yeah. Well, like, especially seeing is the fact that agriculture and such significantly predates central authority or, like, even authority in general. I'm sure that people are capable of not living based on authority to manage resources. In a sense. Of course, the kind of the social climate's obviously changed a lot is why we're not going to be all anti-civ so much as post-civ here anti-civs like agriculture was a mistake post was like yeah but like we got better. yeah but i mean <laughs> if you look at early agriculture production obviously then you'd be like this is a fucking tragedy <laughs> <laughs> but is it a tragedy of the commons no it was the invention of the commons well everything was the commons like before yes. that too the commons didn't need to be that's the thing commons don't need to be invented they just are and right. like and unless someone does some fuck shit then like the commons are there 
Right, because society exists for the mutual benefit of its members, so we kind of always have some sort of implementation of commons. So there's sort of like an implicit statement in all of this about, like, as we're talking about the economic organization here, we're also sort of implicitly speaking about the social organization. Where economically we're talking about post-scarcity, but socially it it have to be anarchism. They necessitate each other because state systems are built around the restriction and exclusion of access to necessities like water, food, <laughs> land, and shelter and such. You can't have uh, like a general post-scarcity while a state exists uh, because the state like requires the exclusion of the majority of people from some necessity or necessities um, and vice versa just by definition. Um, so like to say, to say post-scarcity while like to say you can have post-scarcity while like statecraft exists um, or that you can have statecraft like, or that, or that you could get rid of statecraft and not have post-scarcity um, is like just a gross misunderstanding of what both of those things are. Right. And, and in either case, it'd likely be extremely unstable because like the lack of statecraft with post-scarcity, someone will use quite easily, in fact, to rationalize the creation of a state, mm. which, uh, of course, one of the sort of running themes with any of our, uh, prescriptivist ideas on this epic podcast of ours is always the fact that any enforced institution kind of exists in a uh, stratified manner that the people on the bottom are only there to benefit the people on the top as with early states that's sort of the entire point was that the people at the top didn't have to toil in the fields if you will because the the people at the bottom would do it for them, and um, where was I going with this? I have no idea where you're going with this. You're, uh, you're going you're going off oh. the notes. I don't know what's happening anymore. Well, that's kind of why, like, uh, why why states couldn't have post scarcity in general, because the entire organization of a state is intended to be extractivist. Yeah. It, if only within its own borders to extract from a lower class towards a higher class, if you will, you know, due to stratification and whatnot, that's kind of the entire point of a state. Historically speaking, there are of course, you know, modern arguments towards like states being more horizontally organized, which doesn't entirely make much sense because social organization naturally speaking is more horizontal so there's not really any reason to create any sort of rigid hierarchies you can have sort of like the uh the syndicalist idea of federalized councils and such for greater geographic maneuverability and whatever but it's not necessarily a state if you will there's a, there's a Sterner quote that sums that up really well, and I'm not going to look for it because I don't want to quote Sterner. <laughs> yeah, I think I've made my point about states and hierarchy and federalization and distribution of resources. Moving on.
they say, a person with no sauce is lost, but the same person can just as easily become lost in the sauce. They don't say that. Um, so is post-scarcity uh, technically feasible? Um, in which, like, I don't know, we kind of already made this clarification but through implication, but I guess make it explicit. Uh, clarification on abundance versus post-scarcity. Uh, having a bunch of shit doesn't necessarily mean having post-scarcity, and having post-scarcity doesn't necessarily mean on having unlimited everything. Um, post-scarcity uh, is less about just like having lots of stuff and more the social state of having access to all the resources necessary for the fulfillment of life. Um, right, which is, of course, you know, extremely relevant today because you could very much make the argument that on the production end we have way more than we consume like yeah we we have so much that just we, we do it goes to waste yeah isn't the number like three to one or whatever with the amount we produce versus consume i think it depends on what you're talking about but I yeah it. i don't know I was, I was listening to some other dumb podcast earlier <laughs> there, there aren't other podcasts true anyway uh <laughs> uh yeah no like when when marxists talk about increasing productive forces i just laugh in their faces um immediately because we need to actually turn them the fuck down actually <laughs> because we produce way more than every human on earth could possibly use and it's killing the planet please stop um Right, the slight tangent on that. Uh, <laughs> um, um, and, also, and also, when not just Marxists, when capitalists talk about growth too, you know, we're, yeah, we're, competition we're not, is actually really bad for this because uh, two companies independently producing as much as consumers need, with the hopes that consumers will choose them over the other product. So all of the numbers are based on broad consumption rather than their individual product consumption, due to this sort of competition and whatnot. So uh, what I what I really love about competition is that uh, is firms as spending resources, researching, developing, and producing essentially the same product. Um, it's great. Yeah, it's a it's a very you know it's an effective use of human resources, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, which yeah, it's uh, wonderful. It's a great idea. We should stop fucking doing. <laughs> Of course, human resources is a bad concept. <laughs> Radio Josanki. Um, but in general, just sort of this idea of the fact that not only do we, on a company by company basis, overproduce, but just the whole system because of that's way overproducing. Yeah. So the entire idea that, like, oh, well, if you just let people take stuff from the store, won't they take way more than they need? Or not is like well i mean we already produce way more than we need we so have way more than problem? we need <laughs> we have uh, so right. much shit. i'm more concerned about the store taking way more than it needs from the producers and therefore the producers taking way more than they need from say nature and whatnot than i am about some dude taking 30 loaves of bread to bathe in it or whatever <laughs> yeah no like is there any like evidence that like if given the opportunity people would take like 40 loaves of bread to bathe in <laughs> or like whatever the fuck I'm pretty sure like it's 
like people pretty. Consi- it's all purely like, hypothetical. Yeah, but like I'm pretty sure people pretty consistently prove wrong the concept that there's such thing as unlimited human demand. <laughs> right. Well, because like people don't even take free stuff most of the time because they don't want it or need it. <laughs> yeah. Like at that point, you're just con- like compiling waste and like sure they're hoarders and whatnot but i don't think that they're really (laughs) they're not really like an epidemic on the scale they're going to crash our entire like utopian system because hoarders keep taking all the bread or fucking whatever i I have a light hoarding problem but it's okay it's mostly just guitar pedals (laughs) all right but you can never have enough guitar pedals this is objective and provable that is true yeah uh, uh next point we went off on a tangent um is it was that a good if, tangent though um if post-scarcity were to just mean abundance um then that would imply that post-scarcity and therefore anarchism could only occur at a certain level of production uh which is silly and that's what marx believed because marx was wrong um but the thing is that people have a, a thing called volition um they can do things (laughs) and people could hypothetically decide to just stop doing hierarchy and do anarchy instead um you know obviously there are like social reasons that like for why like and also the hierarchy itself that prevents people from doing that but like the point is that like it is not dependent on physical uh like limitations like it's not dependent on our ability to make bread it's dependent on our ability to get along with each other um right and on that sort of like voluntarily well, moving it's away not from like hierarchy. We, yeah it's, it's not like we we now that we have enough technology to produce things we live in a unique time where anarchism is suddenly possible um, no, it's always is always been possible. We could have done this at any point. We could have we could right. have and, like killed all the cops and been done with it. <laughs> and of course, the the sort of anti civ argument is the fact that like hierarchy itself wasn't really individuals all choosing like this is the best way to organize our society. That was the people on the top literally imprisoning the people below them to create that hierarchy. So like it's that sort of like socialism or barbarism thing. Obviously the correct choice there is barbarism because that shit's lit. (laughs) And like people don't, as a society don't naturally choose hierarchical formations that sort of enforced upon them. But because we've done it for so long, people are sort of trained into that as like, that's what society looks like. And that's a cultural norm. So if we want to just get people to just suddenly stop, it kind of has to be a culture where people don't lick boots, essentially. People, people need to all view hierarchy as unnatural. Basically, we need to promote liftism as, as much as possible. Yeah, so there, there is validity in posting as praxis, if you will. <laughs> There's validity in podcasting as praxis. Right. We're, it's not necessarily doing... going to get us everything we want, and if anything, it would take centuries for that to like become the new cultural norm of everyone just constantly pushing this idea that like, hierarchy is unnatural. It was enforced upon us. It, it's not the way that we naturally are. So if we wanted to, we could easily live in a society without it. <laughs> but... 
to keep coming back to society. God, I don't know why you hilarious. do this to yourself. <laughs> stop saying society. You know you're going to laugh for 10 minutes about me. <laughs> I can't stop myself. We're talking about social organization. It's going to come up. You should get society as nucked hats. Would that even work? Oh, it's seven letters, so you'd have an extra knuckle. You could put like an exclamation mark or something. A little joker face. There's, there's more. There's, uh, there's like three we more have, pages of notes. We have more notes. We're doing podcasts. I don't know why that clarification wasn't just in the previous section. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so is post scarcity technically feasible? And the answer is yes. Uh, next question. Moving on to the next section of stuff. <laughs> we wrote out all these notes on the uh, 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 on like food production for for nothing. We're we're just we're because just we already on. went <laughs> off on food production and production already, in general. We already we already know we have too much stuff. I don't think anyone questions that. Um, yes, I mean pe- people question the level to which we have too much stuff. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but we we have way too much stuff. That's that's the emphasis that's, here. Yeah, that's the answer. But some things about food production, I guess, uh, somewhere between a third and a half of food produced globally gets lost or wasted, and that's entirely the fault of statism, if you ask me. And you cannot change my mind, and I I will not defend that point. It's just the truth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's not even like a marketable answer to that. It's literally just I like mean, you can... bureaucratic oversight and capitalism. Right. I mean, you could you could try to say make the argument the fact that companies do waste on the fact that they overpredict and such. So, like, you'll have a certain amount of food available at a certain time, but it will go bad before it's all taken and such. But we're talking they also, like, they also like assume, they also assume that a certain amount of it is going to go to waste anyway. Like they like. Right, and like they don't, they, and then they there's don't the, just like think think it's all gonna get sold. Like they produce knowing that like you know twenty percent. And of then there's the clearly proprietarian and system enforcing ideas of the fact that when that food does go to waste, it isn't necessarily inedible or anything. It's just yeah. you know not in its prime anymore, so it's completely thrown out. It's not allowed to be given out to say like old people homes. There's a word for that. And also, also food waste includes things like perfectly edible food that gets thrown away before it even makes it to the store, uh, just because it like didn't look right or something like that. It was a startup for that. Scariest fucking thing. Um, Keep getting radio ads for some fucking startup that gives you ugly food. Yeah, I think my stepmom was into that a little bit i don't know either way it's it's a highly inefficient system if we're just talking like production to consumption efficiency and also see goth angelson as part one for our opinion on our current method of getting products to consumers (laughs) um it's bad prices are just dumb (laughs) inherently right and then there's just sort of you know infrastructural issues with that with the fact that the way we distribute things is through stores which means you need to get to a store and especially like here in America, and I think it's pretty much the same for Russia and just any large landmass country. And I'm sure it applies to even smaller countries too. It's just the idea of the fact that you're most people are too far away. And so they need to own a car. So a lot of their income and such goes strictly to getting to a car to get to the store when things are already distributed and 
our current supply chain is more reliant on trucks than it is trains. And if you're going to have a fucking truck delivering food anyway, why not just go to individual homes? Well, I mean, part of the problem with that is the individual homes are so spread out. Um, uh, basically, sprawl is bad. Cars are bad. Support public transit. Fuck you, Bookchin. Yeah. Wait, uh, is that later in the notes? Did I cut yeah, that out? That, I think that's later in the notes, or maybe it got cut. Um, but we just want to talk about, for just for like two, like sec- two seconds, how Bookchin's whole thing about like physically decentralizing society is dumb and wrong. Uh, sprawl is bad. Right. Um, I, I, I really like a lot of what Bookchin says, but that's just... Yeah, his whole thing about like the density of cities increasing consumption or whatever is just like literally antithetical. So it's just... Yeah. Like, Energy is so... more efficient when your waste energy is also usable, such as heating cities in the fucking Midwest frozen desert that I live in. Also, uh, just backing up like five seconds... Uh, me and just me and my brother will refer to cars as grocery getting machines in the suburbs. Um, it's great. Uh, that's funny. I call them death machines because they keep trying to kill me. Uh, that's cute. But, by the way, revving your car at someone in a crosswalk is a threat to murder them. Please stop. It kind of isn't treated as a threat to murder because for some reason hitting someone with multiple tons of metal is not considered murder oh. in the traditional <laughs> sense for some reason. Anyway, cereal production's stupid. Yeah, fuck cornflakes. Fucking corn in general. Yeah, that's the kind of cereals we're talking about. Monoculture is bad, ecologically speaking. And also the majority of it goes to biofuels. And if we didn't have cars you know, or any sort of personal transport, then we wouldn't even need it. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about this now. I think it's technically reserved for later. Um but yeah. as if we're reading the notes as if we're reading the notes i uh, know but like um yeah since you're talking about monoculture and stuff like i wonder like so in terms of the technical possibilities of having lots of stuff um the we currently overproduce but let's say we you know like but like our current production methods are killing the planet um, and us, because, <laughs> um, you know, we're part of the planet. Uh, and, like, I think we're going to be, like, out of usable topsoil by, like, 2050 or something like that. Um, so, like, yeah, we produce, like, like multiple times over the amount of food needed in the world. Um, but, like... like even if we even if we tone that down to exactly as much as we need, um, we're still going to be, you know, destroying our like soil ecology with that agriculture method. And I was, I'm just, I am curious about like how productive like organic restoration agriculture permaculture stuff is, and I hear people say it's more productive and. Um, Ryan said, Ryan, who actually read the book Restoration Agriculture, I didn't, um, said that the author, uh, like, estimates that it could, like, that it could be a lot more productive than current agriculture methods. Um, and I, I am inclined to believe it. Um, 
but I but I don't I don't know any I I don't know and I can't find any specific numbers on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is kind of hard to find numbers on, mostly because like a lot of it's like large scale research would need to be done, and mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to get funding on how we should actually organize society when it's completely opposed to current organization and. Mm-hmm. People yeah. that would let you do that research kind of have vested interests in the current system. Yeah. And like, you know, basically what we're saying is um is that we don't know if uh permaculture can provide enough food to feed the world, but if you think it can't, you're a big ag shill and you should be strung up by your toenails. Right. Looks like on that note about research, um, the fact that uh, there is some research, you know, done by international organizations about food supplies and whatnot, but they and they all sort of propose solutions and such. Holy shit! I just forgot my point. (laughs) All of their solutions are bad, but I don't remember what. Oh yeah, because they're all uh, numerical solutions. They're all based on like well, here's how just to get the numbers to work and whatnot. So they're strictly pragmatic. But uh, as much as we're defending the uh, the technical possibility of post-scarcity here, even if it weren't technically possible, we kind of have to take the position of either we make it possible or we're going to have to just destroy everything because... Yeah, like our option... Like, as, like, as I said, we're going to be like out of usable topsoil by something like 2050. I could probably look up an exact date but it's somewhere in the like 2050 to 2070 range i'm gonna say that with like 98 percent certainty um so like it's like either we make it work or we don't get to eat anymore yeah like that like the, those are our options like so you know may so maybe permaculture can't do that to, for us um i'm right. pretty sure i'm pretty like i i believe it when they say that they that it can feed the world um you know yeah. permaculture well, agroforestry those kinds of things yeah especially um, with like gmos and such even if it's not efficient we make it more efficient and such we, we just have to find something different then like we're you know humans are good at inventing things like we it's what we've always done and so, it takes us back then, to the axiom of society exists for the mutual benefit. If it's like, if we can't make better agriculture, then we kind of just have to get rid of agriculture because it's gonna fucking kill us all. Yeah, we gotta let's let's do something better. Then I don't know. I don't the, like the, the future is uncertain. Uh, this, this is me being hopeful and also sad at the same time. Because I happen yes. to kind of like agriculture. Like I like I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy like brownies and shit. <laughs> I do like brownies. I could go for some fucking brownies right now. Like I'm a huge Taco Bell slut, and I think I think that's public record. Um, so like I'm you know, socially a uh, Taco Bell slut, but fiscally I just eat ramen. See, I just eat once every other day so that I can afford to eat Taco Bell for every meal. I also <laughs> I never eat. That. I also I legit did that for like a month last year, um, where I just like ate like every other day so that all I could eat was Taco Bell. 
to all great, the maybe point five dietitians that listen to this, is it healthy to eat like ramen once every other day as your entire sustenance? Anyway, I'm gonna say no. That's probably more sodium and less anything else than my than my all Taco Bell diet from last year. I, I can, I can take that. a little sodium. <laughs> Man was born of the ocean. We will return to the salty sea. <laughs> Spironolactone makes you crave salty things, I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't, I don't have medical insurance. <laughs> anyway, we're, we're not talking about that right now. Next section. <clears throat> uh, I didn't write anything over the housing. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just <laughs> skipping, and like that's just going back over this. But we've already gone back over it like 20 times. I just want to, I just want to point out that if you just like Google, like how many houses are there built, house housing homeless people, blah blah blah. Like every city has like double the amount of houses than there are homeless people. It's ridiculous. Like there's like. I'm pretty sure a couple years ago, like a third of new apartments built in Seattle were, or new condos built in Seattle, um, were all were bought by people who already had places to live so that they could rent out the condos on Airbnb. Right. Um, and we, also we the have fact that uh, so many places to live. Include the fact that as much as we like socially and culturally idealize living alone, most people actually don't and don't want to. Yeah. And and also um but then I also have to like along with as I pointed out with food production like their current way of doing food is killing the planet and us as a result of being part of that planet. Um current housing is bad, you know, suburb we've talked we talked about suburbs but like suburbs are really bad like ecologically and socially and they're just terrible um and that's where a lot of housing is and so and like um high density uh housing is better um but it's still not great uh, hvac is terrible and needs to be abolished um but yeah but like that stuff we have pretty decent solutions for as well um that exist uh, go to lowtechmagazine.com <laughs> fuck it uh they they have lots of cool stuff on there. Anyway. Yes. Housing. It's a housing thing. Exists. Basically the only thing I'd worry the only resource I'd worry I'd actually worry about us like having enough of is uh fresh water. But even then, like most of the wasted fresh water is like fuckers like Nestle stealing water from the commons.
I should get in more arguments with Ian while I was showing he's funny. He said I eat crayons. <laughs> I gotta say, that's the biggest dunk anyone's ever gotten off on me. <laughs> yeah, no, you really got over there. Is post-scarcity socially possible? Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, go to hell. <laughs> That's like the answer to all of the questions in these titles. Um, oh, right? It's like we only ask the questions that we can answer with yes. Wild. We need... <laughs> when we get to pick the questions, it's kind of like cheating. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I hate fighting fair. Oh, well, we're not here to fight. We're here to win. Right. Podcasting for our enemies. If you like us, fuck off. If you hate us, fuck off. <laughs> but sit down and <laughs> shut up for a little bit and then fuck off. <laughs> yeah, so is post-scarcity socially possible? And, like, we did, like, 195,000 years where we, like, didn't do statecraft. Only, like, 7,000 years of that's really considered, like, modern humanity that didn't have states, that was just living as humans. I mean, it's anatomically modern. You can't prove they weren't. Well, I'm I'm just going by the the number of like from twelve thousand BC or whatever. That's on. like when we started like planting things, right? Yeah, like when we started thriving like, as a society, if you will. When we started living as a society. I mean, we had like domesticated dogs before that. Like we were doing shit. I I think it's I think it's fair to include at least some of that. I think it's fair to include at least thirty thousand years of that. Either way, there's thousands of years where humanity was doing just fine without states, and then yeah, like, states came in and shat on everyone's party. Point is that like statecraft and this all this like general stuff is kind of like a weird blip in the existence of humanity and like to convince ourselves that it's necessary or inevitable um, is weird. (laughs) It's like, it's like the, it's like the people who like think their particular like government is going to exist forever. Like buddy governments aren't going to exist forever and haven't existed forever. Yours is like going to exist for like a century and then be done. Which is, you know, historically a deliberate thing on the part of states, for states create narratives that span more than one human lifespan because we can only really think of things in terms of our own lifespans. So, you know, if a person can only live to age 50 at a certain point, then a government that's been around for 200 years sounds impressive. But it's only been around for a couple generations. On the scale of things, it's it's a little 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 drip. Yeah, like a hundred generations ago, the Roman Empire was at its height. Uh, yeah, your your state ain't shit, fam. Yeah, fuck your state. You know what's eternal? The love of our Lord, Savior Jesus Christ. <laughs> you and I said basically the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Goth Angel Sinners, emphasis on angel. <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> yeah, open your Bibles to the part where God punishes us by making us do agriculture. <laughs> it's in the, the first that's, book. That's true, though. <laughs> God was like, fuck you, plant shit. <laughs> oh, you learned shit? Now you gotta do a state. 
Are you implying that agriculture necessarily means states? No, I'm implying that, that most early most early human narratives that were actually written down were justifications for the existence of states, and therefore any institutions uh, proposed by those narratives would be justification for states instituting those. Okay, nice save. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. And. Modern society, though. Uh, we live in it. <laughs> we live in it. Um, I had a lot more stuff I was planning on saying about this, uh, but like, I ended up just taking a bunch of notes on some Kevin Carson articles. <laughs> uh, but like, even as I said earlier, I mentioned uh, Wikipedia being like a digital commons. Um, like, there's plenty of things like that and, and like free sharing of culture benefits both creators and consumers. Um, and the only people who lose out are uh, middlemen who otherwise contribute nothing except maintaining the scarcity of that culture. Um, and the combination of government regulation and subsidies creates unnecessary overhead costs, centralizing control of resources, increasing costs to consumers, and blah, blah, blah. And further. Reed Graber. Yeah, Reed Graber. Uh, yeah. Reed Graber, Reed uh, Carson, Reed Scott. Um, yeah. We're just telling you, we're, this is, we're giving you homework now. Yeah, like, reading uh, bullshit jobs. Uh, do our, debt, do our, seeing do our like research for us. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, that's kind of like the whole idea of like bullshit jobs is the furthest extreme of the fact that uh, the institution of any bureaucracy is creating an overhead for the maintenance of that bureaucracy so that bureaucracy can maintain whatever institution it's designed to. And, you know, the further that bureaucracy kind of like becomes an Ouroboros and like eats itself and shit, and the more it's going to just create this like unfathomable abyss of bullshit where people just like get a job to enter data that we have like extremely accurate algorithms to already like read terrible handwriting so like even the furthest logical extreme of like oh well people need to like review it or whatever it's like, yeah review it but it doesn't need to be entered but the point is is that like a lot of our current economy is just based on shit that's already archaic yeah i mean as uh Graeber said in a different book, The Utopia of Rules, he declares the iron law of liberalism that uh, any attempt to reduce bureaucracy will increase bureaucracy, which is hilariously Hell true. Yeah. That, like, we're going to start a committee to uh, to find out what committees can be cut. Yeah, which is, like, uh, I, don't know. I don't know how much, like, actual experience any listening has with any bureaucratic bureaucratic measures but that is generally like even that whole you know the stereotype of the company bringing in someone to trim the fat if you will that's the company hiring more people to fire other people uh stuff about farms that we kind of already covered um and this is just like examples of places where uh I just wrote down some examples of things where, uh, like, basically restriction of access and statecraft and stuff are making, are 
making things worse and bad um, and uh, people doing things together, making things good. Um, like, uh, for example, uh, the patent system causes medical R&D to focus simply on tweaking old drugs just enough to make them considered new um, so that a new patent can be gotten for them. Uh, in which I also then said, ha ha, take that people who believe capitalism creates innovation or whatever, because I take good notes. Right. Well, like, because, I mean, if we're to take, like, similar things, like, everyone always, you know, knows the stories of some vaccine or miracle pill being created by accident and whatnot, and they all view the as, like, jokes and not, like, significant anecdotes in the fact that all of the major innovations that really change your life and whatnot are completely incidental to essentially a very slow moving thing you know you got this big slow moving machine that every once in a while some fast moving object spins off of all progress is just accidents happening because massive corporations are just forcing people to redo things until you know monkeys and typewriters if you will yeah basically like all the medical r&d is happening in like non-useful areas and then every, every once in a while they accidentally do something good um and everyone's like whoa i think the only common like invention story that i know of anyway that's like actually progressive in like technology and whatnot was uh transistors being theorized and then bell labs just like hunkering down and actually developing them whereas like you know medications and whatnot that's all just like people were trying to make a slightly different version of this and accidentally made something like this like viagra or something yeah i mean it, um one of the something like a I don't know where I read this or where I heard this. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I should take notes of things. Um, like someone like pointed out that like, God, I wish I could give credit to whoever said this. Maybe it was a YouTube video anyway. Um, but the, uh, like, like we praise like science and the scientific method as being like, uh, what, like the great, like giver of truth to us like that's how we invent things but like you know people have been inventing things forever like people have been doing medicine forever um and the scientific method is new and that's not to say it's like that the scientific method is bad like i'm pro the scientific method um but like most human inventions in our history had nothing to do with you know science proper and everything to do with right. like people just doing things because they needed to or wanted to. Well, okay. The thing about modern science is that while there is that sort of like, you know, the, the theoretical branches that are constantly trying to figure out like what is possible, like the actual application branches are all pretty like restricted economically speaking, which is why we get things like, you know, people justifying the space program because they develop technologies that we can use in everyday life. To which, you know, the, you know, the most reasonable response is why can't we just invest that into actually creating usable things in everyday life? You'd be like, well, this, you know, why would you need this new alloy to be developed for like microwaves or whatever? Like, 
because it helps microwaves, not because it's good shielding for a spaceship kind of shit. And, you know, that, that kind of goes into that whole defense of like, oh, science versus mysticism or whatnot. We're like, well, if science's whole thing is slowly developing new things incidentally, whereas like witches are off in the forest actually trying to fucking heal people, at least their heart's in a better place. Yeah. Like, at least they're developing things for the sake of because they need them to exist there and not because they, again, incidentally created an actually useful thing. What if we did science, but we did it in a social, political, economic context that was uh, good instead? Might yes. be, it might be a good idea. We should try it sometime. Um, it's almost like... Restrict, restricting access to the necessary resources of life to people is a bad thing. It's almost like we yes. should try to Enforced end scarcity. scarcity is a it's bad like we, thing. It's almost like we should try to end scarcity rather than make it worse. Yes, um, which, of course, again, all enforced economic systems, that's what they're doing. You're saying we have stuff, but we're going to create a system that determines who gets it. And any such system's going to try to rationalize rather than who gets it, who doesn't get it. And again, going back to our initial axioms here, if society exists to ensure that people get the stuff they need, we should, you know approach problems from the perspective always of how do we get people what they need rather than how do we make sure people that don't deserve it don't get it or whatever like say some sort of bizarre and draconian punishment system because somebody did a quote-unquote crime once yeah there's a like thing that that uh that people do and uh legislators will always do this every time like even progressive ones every time there's something something about giving something to the poor they're every single time they're going to try and divide it into the deserving and undeserving poor like 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 uh, people will be like oh yeah like we should help people who are poor uh but not if they're like drug addicts or something like that not if they you know have a certain number of kids or something like that then, then fuck them. Then they don't deserve it. Or not if they have this, or not if they have that. Um, and It's all based on, like, you know, the earning your keep, which yeah. why do people need to do that? They're people. They're it, human beings. They deserve to live. Um, and we have enough to let them live. Right. So do it. It's um, not a right in the uh, enforced sense if you had to fight for it. Yeah. Um, and also, but anyway, my point is this is my this is my uh, message for the day to our listeners: um, universal access to everything, uh, universal basic Taco Bell. Thank you. Uh, good night. No, let me find the outro text. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have more notes. We're not done. Do we? We're not done with this fucker. this right here is a good a good spot to abolish donuts. Abolish donuts. <laughs> Donuts are what cops eat, and cops are bad because they keep other people from eating. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
this is yeah the, this is an idea just a we- like weird idea i had while taking notes for this episode um and i don't think such data exists um and it there it have to be like a huge like meta study of like lots of different things i guess i don't know um but like like how much how many how much resource how many resources um i don't know uh do we like spend uh keeping people from accessing resources like which is a total waste of resources <laughs> like how much do we spend on police and prisons and borders like how much do we spend on private security and how much do we like what like what goes into like grocery store checkout stands what like all this stuff that keeps people from having things that they need um supposedly right. because if people if people just weren't able to take what they needed then we don't run out of things or you know everyone would waste everything but we're using all these resources to like keep people from doing that so like how much are we using doing that right. and the answer is um donuts <laughs> What? Why should I have to work as the gatekeeper for other people to get food just so that I can get food? Yeah. And of course, the whole answer is because we have a monetary system, and that totally works. It's fine. Everyone's everyone's fine. All right. Yeah, I think we mostly like. I don't know. We could talk about green energy, but like, I don't. It's I don't like, feel like there's anything smart I could say. I could really. Smart I could say things on that, like um. Oh yeah, you probably could. Say uh, that. listen to the uh the neighbor science episode. The neighbor science did three episodes on energy. Um, right. Well, we don't, we don't a, need to talk about it. Yeah, there's a good bit, and what's the latest one? The four seventeen season four oh, episode no. seventeen I, with I, Young Neocon. Oh, and he wait, talks about like uh the social processes and whatnot how they're just as valid as material processes so you know fighting to get something both physically and socially is just as valid so you know nuclear energy has you know enough while it may be you know technically cleaner and kills less people it also requires a certain amount of social progress which i'd, I'd further to say it's we don't necessarily need a centralized power grid. So if we're going to do green energy, we should also aim to make it decentralized so people aren't reliant on single energy sources if they're going to use it. Yes. And you had a whole thing about fucking gravity or whatever. Oh, yeah. I was just saying, um, like, in terms of, like, energy, like... Mechanical energy. We don't need to generate electricity for everything. Like there's plenty of things we can do with just literally mechanical energy caused by wind, water, and heat and gravity. Um, right, like old windmills. Quality. We don't really need to use like a windmill to generate electricity to power a grinder to grind your grain when you could just use the wind to grind your grain. Grind your grain. That's grind my band. Grind your grain. Name. Rise and shine. <laughs> That's the that's the name of my the album for my I don't know for my for my pop punk band Grind Your Grain. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, I think we're I think we're good. We're both tired. It's time for bed. Um, uh, death to cars. Um, yes, Goth Angel Sinners. Follow Goth us Angel on Sinners. Twitter. 
12. Yeah. Give us money on Patreon. We're all starving. <laughs> We're all starving. God angel sinners, time for bed. <laughs> See you next five months from now when we talk about Oscar fucking wild. And I'm kill a kill. I'm, I'm gonna shove that I'm, in there somehow, I swear. I'm gonna edit it so, you, so that you say that we talk about fucking Oscar Wilde. Fuck Civ. <laughs> Fuck gas. Fuck money. Well, okay, depends what you're referring to when you say gas. Fuck cars. Gasoline. And jobs yes. and work. Gasoline, yeah, fuck it. Um, uh, weed. Uh, maybe not so much. Uh, I don't know. I've never done weed. Sounds decadent and what's the other term uh god how did i forget it degenerate there it is i'm a maoist see you next five months from now when we talk about fucking oscar wilde